This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. This is based on everything that we said till now, we'll understand what's explained in the Kabbalah, that in the letters of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, mitzvahs are rooted in the last hay. There are two hays, Yud, hay, Vavke, the last hay of Hashem's name, meaning the last letter. And the Torah is rooted in the Vav. In other words, which is greater, which is higher, Torah is higher, Torah is greater, than mitzvot. Torah precedes mitzvot. Torah is greater than mitzvah. And yet, on the other hand, we find elsewhere that mitzvah take precedence over Torah. You have to stop learning Torah in order to do a mitzvah. Torah is no substitute for mitzvahs. On the contrary, the whole Torah has to lead you to do mitzvahs. You can't just learn if you don't do, if it doesn't lead you to act, to do. So the emphasis is on the action. Action takes precedence over Torah. You have to close the book and go ahead and do. And, because if you go to the root and the source of Torah mitzvot, mitzvot are rooted in the skull, if you, so to speak, which is like the crown, the skull, of the head, and the Torah is rooted in what's inside the skull, the brain. Torah is the reasoning, the taste and the reasoning behind the mitzvot. So, which is, so at the root and at the source, the mitzvot come from a higher root and a higher source and are greater than the Torah. They're different. Torah is internal. Torah is wisdom, understanding, knowledge, learning, the, the reasons behind, the reasons for, the reasons behind the mitzvot, the, the purpose, the point. And the Torah and the mitzvot are the will and the desire, which precedes and is greater than the reasoning behind the mitzvot. This is internal and this is the will which is transcendent, which is like the skull that transcends and surrounds and encompasses the brain. So the will of the mitzvah, the divine will of the, behind the mitzvah is greater and is the root and the source for the reasoning. So at the root, at the source, mitzvot are higher. And then comes Torah. And yet, in the name of Hashem, Torah is higher, Torah is the Vav that precedes the He, which, is, which represents the mitzvahs. 
How do you reconcile these two positions? Some places it seems a Torah, Talmud Torah, Kenegat Kulam, Torah is the equivalent of all the mitzvahs, so Torah is greater. And the other hand, Torah is great because it leads to action. If there's only Torah and no deed, then it's better you weren't even born, weren't even created. And you have to close the book and stop learning in order to do the deed, to do the action. So action is pre- takes precedence. Action is more important. So which one is it? Is Torah greater? Mitzvah greater? Of course, you're right and you're right. <laughs> Don't forget the rabbits. <laughs> She's also right. <laughs> but based on what we learned till now, said it makes sense that since the end is rooted in the beginning, so what comes out at the end, what's all the way on the bottom and at the end, the hay, is actually rooted in a much higher level. It's rooted in the beginning, even higher. Because there is hishtalshalut, there is a way things are linearly developed and develop, the cause leads to the effect, and the effect leads to the following, becomes the cause for the following effect, and there's like a chain and uh, evolution evolvement, and that's linear, and then you have higher and you have lower, but then you have what's beyond the Seder that's transcendent, that's truly infinite and transcendent, and there, on the contrary, What's at the end is rooted in at the beginning, is much closer to the beginning than the highest level of Seder Hushtalshalut, of the level of evolution. Like the end of the circle is closer to the beginning of the circle than the line that's in between the top of the circle and the other end of the circle. So even the top of the line which one is closer to the circle? It's all part of the same circle, all the way on the bottom. The bottom, where the line touches at the bottom, that's rooted in the beginning. It's transcendent. It transcends even the top of the line, the top of the highest level of Seder the most internal level, because this touches the transcendent level. And as he's going to explain, the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. When you reach the end, you, just, you don't just have the end. When you conclude and you finish and you put in the, when you f- come to the end, it's not like you've finished. On the contrary, now you just started. The whole, now you've reached the whole. When you have the whole, is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's not just accumulation of parts. When you add the last piece of the puzzle, for the first time, you see the whole picture. When you put all the letters together, the yud and you add the hey, you have the mitzvahs, the details, the specifics, the concrete, the physical. You don't just have a little detail. Now, for the first time, you have the bigger picture. Now you, trans- you have the transcendent picture. You touch in a much, much deeper place. 
you're reaching in a much, much deeper place. It completely transcends the whole frame of reference of the world of Ishtashalut, of the linear world, of the world of lines and cause and effect. You're, touch, you're seeing the whole, and the whole is so much more dynamic, so much more vibrant, so much more powerful. Then it's greater than the sum total of its parts. It's different. It's transcendent. And there it's not just a question of details, it's, there it's all, all related and all connected and it's all part of something larger. But when do you reach that? When you reach the end. When you put in the last letter, the last piece of the puzzle, when you finish, when you conclude, when you come to the conclusion, that's why so many people have such a psychological issue, they can't finish anything. They start millions of projects, hundreds of projects, tens of projects. And they start, and they don't finish anything. And they become very, it's very frustrating. They become frustrated, it becomes very demoralizing, depressing almost, because there's no pleasure, there's no conclusion. When you finish something, when you make a seum, such a joy, you make a seum, you finish something, the pleasure... It's so much, it's so great. It's intangible, but it's so great. You finish a project, you finish the whole thing, it gives you so much pleasure. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It makes the whole thing worthwhile. You've been working and working and putting one piece of the puzzle and one piece of the puzzle. You have a goal in mind, you have a picture, you have a vision. And then when it's finally done, mission accomplished, the pleasure is so much greater. That's why Shabbos is the end of the week and that's the greatest day of the week. It's not the lowest day of the week. It's the end. It's the bottom of the totem pole. No, Shabbos is the greatest. Because when you finish, when Hashem finished creation, and then He looked at creation, it's, ah, it's very, very good. And the pleasure that it gives Hashem, that's Shabbos, that's the pleasure. It's so transcendent, it's so much greater than all the sum total of its parts. You see, because... There was a one singular vision, everything is interrelated, interconnected. It's all, all these different details, all these different days are just different parts and different pieces of the puzzle. But once you put it all together, then you see the whole picture. You see Shabbos, you see the whole picture. It gives tremendous pleasure. Vayechulu. Hashem finishes and concludes. Vayechulu is also from the word kiloyan, pleasure. It gives Hashem tremendous pleasure when you finish something. When you come to reach the end, that's the beginning. At the end, it reaches all the way to the beginning. It, it, it catapults you. It's liftoff. <laughs> Takes you all the way back, even before the beginning. To a higher level, the highest level, transcendent level. All-encompassing pleasure fills you in it. It's, yes, it's counterintuitive, but that's, that's what the Kabbalah teaches us. The end is the beginning. The end is rooted in the beginning and even higher than the beginning. It reaches so much deeper. And that's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so powerful. The end is so powerful. You can desire to give a poor person, you want to help a poor person, and you want to help a person in need, and you want to do an act of kindness. But it's nothing in comparison when the poor person actually receives the kindness. Mission accomplished. 
done. The deed is done. That gives you so much pleasure. Whatever pleasure you had in the planning and the momentum and pleasure you had in the planning and the, but when it actually is received, mission accomplishment, it's done. It gives the giver, he touches the giver in such a deep place, such a deep pleasure principle. It touches you in such a deep place. So it's the end that really, it bounces back. And it, it, it reaches so much further, so much strength and power to it. It touches the transcendent. It, it's a whole different way. So linearly speaking, it's like, it's like you go from the top to the bottom. It, gets, it diminishes and diminishes and gets smaller and smaller. So you start out with Torah. Torah is great. Torah is understanding. Torah is comprehensive. And then you get to the details, the action, breaking it down into the minute details. How important could it be? It seems to be diminishing in significance. But nothing could be further than the truth. That little detail, those little, that, those little actions, getting it done and finishing it and putting in the last piece of the puzzle, putting in that last detail, that reaches so much more, so much farther and so much greater than even the beginning of this whole, the top of the line. It touches the circle, it touches the transcendent, it touches the... the, the so it's not a contradiction. Mitzvot are at the bottom. It's the last step. It's the action, the lowest level. The details, the specifics, concrete. But it reaches in the highest. Even greater than Torah. It's the exact opposite of the way it appears to be. In the end, meaning it's all the way at the bottom, it really reaches all the way back. The conclusion, the whole is greater than the sum. When, when you become whole, the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's so much greater than the beginning even. Because you reach a level where there's no beginning and no middle, no end. It's just the whole. And everything is interrelated and interconnected. It's all rela- relationships. No? And ultimately, he's going to explain conclusion of the letter, it's even deeper than that. One step at a time. It will now be understood in terms of the Sirot and the corresponding letters of the divine name why the mitzvot are in Malchus, the latter hay of the four-letter name of Hashem, while the Torah is in Zer Anten, the above of the four-letter name of Hashem. Though on a higher plane, as mitzvot and Torah are found in the level of Tesser, in Arahantan. The mitzvot are in the Golgalta, literally the skull that encompasses the Mokha, and more specifically in the whiteness, i.e. in the level of Chesed of the Golgalta or Chesed of Arahantan, i.e. the path that is in the parting of the Seiro, literally the hairs which divide into the 613 paths, i.e. effusions of the Torah, as it is in Zerahantan. Thus, the mitzvot are on the encompassing level of Golgotha that transcends the level of Malkin, and the root of the Torah, which merely issues from the supernal Kachma, though it ultimately derives from a root which is loftier 
in supernal Chokmah is in the concealed Mohan of Arab Anten, which is the wisdom underlying the reasons for the commandments. The concealed Mohan of Arab Anten that utterly transcends comprehension contains the wisdom underlying the reasons for the commandments. These reasons will first be revealed with the revelation of the concealed Mohan when Mashiach comes. In general, uh, Zohar says, Torah that the, it's the revelation that comes from the Chachma, from the divine supernal wisdom. But the root of the Torah is even greater, is from the level of wisdom of Keter, which is the transcendent wisdom, which is even transcends the divine supernal wisdom. It's like the subconscious wisdom, which is completely subconscious and transcendent and inaccessible, it's like the wisdom of the crown, which is a subconscious. The brain cannot internalize it. It's not an internal wisdom, it's a, it's a transcendent wisdom, the source of wisdom. But nevertheless, it's a source of wisdom. It's a subconscious wisdom, but it's a source of wisdom, very deep levels of wisdom, but it's still wisdom. It's internal. And the wisdom is surrounded, the brain, the subconscious, the conscious, and the subconscious is ultimately surrounded by the skull, which transcends and from the skull you have the hair that grows the hair is like the, the, the divisions they come from the same it's one skull and it has many many hairs some people have many hairs that's the mitzvah the divisions of the 613 mitzvah the details the specifics but the skull itself is one indivisible whole that surrounds and is transcendent it's above the brain so it's a, a it's a level of pure will and divine will which transcends reason so there's the reasons of the Torah that's revealed today, that comes from the supernal level of the divine supernal level of wisdom. Then you have the wisdom of the Torah that Mashiach will reveal, the secrets of the Torah. They come from the internal subconscious, so to speak, subconscious wisdom, which is concealed today and will be revealed with the coming of Mashiach. But the will itself, the divine will is infinite. The divine will is represented by the skull that surrounds and is above even the subconscious level of wisdom. So the, the mitzvot are rooted in the deepest levels, in the highest level, in the transcend, most transcendent levels. And so far as Torah and the mitzvot are rooted in Kether, then the mitzvot are on a higher plane than Torah. The Torah is rooted in concealed Chachma, the level of Mochin in Kether, while the mitzvot are rooted in Golgotha, the encompassing level of Kether that transcends, transcends Mohan. This is a very important point in Hasidus, that when we say the reasons for the mitzvot, that's not the ultimate reason for the mitzvah. In Hebrew we call taimei ha-mitzvah. Taimei means a taste. All it is is a taste. The essence of the mitzvah is the divine will. And the divine will is transcendent. The reasons don't really exhaust, doesn't really capture all there is to know about the mitzvah. The essence is it's the divine will, which is infinite. And the mitzvah, the reasons come later, come, the reasons come from the mitzvah. It's not that the will comes from the reason. Hashem had a reason and therefore he wanted you to do this mitzvah. No. Hashem desired to do the mitzvah. They're divine. And it also 
is expressed in reason. But it's not that the reason is the foundation and the root and the reason why Hashem desired it. Hashem transcends reason. Hashem is beyond reason. Hashem is infinite and undefined. He's not limited in reason. And Hashem desired the mitzvah, so they're divine, they're infinite and godly. But they also, Hashem has allowed the mitzvah to be expressed in reasoning. That's why the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe said that the world makes a mistake. The world says, Halavai, we wish we would fulfill the logical mitzvah. I'm sorry, we would fulfill the chukim, the transcendent mitzvah, the mitzvah that make no sense to us. The same pleasure that we fulfill the logical mitzvah. We should have some understanding and some taste and some way to internalize and to get it. These mitzvot, so we should enjoy it and we should be able to relate to it, connect with it. The previous Rebbe said the world has it all wrong. It's just the opposite. Halavai, we wish that we should fulfill the logical mitzvot. Thou shalt not steal and all the other mitzvot with the same way we fulfill the transcendent mitzvah. Because the transcendent mitzvah, don't mix milk and meat and wool and linen and all these other mitzvah, the red heifer, that's pure. That expresses the fact that the mitzvah are divine. They transcend reasoning. We can't understand the reason. But nevertheless, Hashem gave us some... He, he, he allowed the mitzvah to be expressed in the world of reason. So we have some reasons and some explanations and some taste and some little glimpse and taste of the mitzvah. The mitzvah itself, after all the explanations are said and done, we sense that these mitzvahs are divine. We don't really understand these mitzvahs. They're divine, they're infinite, they're godly. We can't begin to understand. We don't have the tools with which to understand. And it's beyond understanding. Not because our mind is too small, we, don't, we can't appreciate it, because it's beyond understanding, it's divine, it's infinite and undefined. So too we have to realize that all the mitzvot, including the mitzvot between man and man, all these seemingly logical and rational mitzvot, we have to realize that in essence they're divine and sacred. Hashem desires and wants, and that's why we do the mitzvah. And all the explanations, Hashem allowed the mitzvah to come into our world of reasoning that it should make sense to us and we should enjoy it and we should feel for it and we should be able to internalize it, be able to relate to it, be able to connect with it. But not for a moment should we think that that exhausts what the mitzvah is all about. And that's the foundation of the mitzvah. The foundation of the mitzvah, the essence, the core and essence of the mitzvah is divine, it's sacred, and it's holy. And that's why we do the mitzvah, including the rational mitzvah. It's only Hashem allowed us to get some, to include our mind, to engage our mind in the mitzvah as well. We shouldn't just do the mitzvah and fulfill the divine will. Hashem also wanted our minds involved in the mitzvah. We should understand it, we should appreciate it, we should study it, we should learn it, we should connect with it. But not that it's limited to our mind or in any way. It, it retains, even, those, even after the mitzvah comes down into our world of understanding, the world of the rational mind, we're able to understand it and relate to it, the mitzvah in essence remains. If you strip away, the mitzvah in essence remains divine and infinite and undefined and godly and sacred. So that's what he's saying here. The, the mitzvah comes from the skull that transcends the brain. 
even the subconscious brain, all this reasoning, and even the reasons that Mashiach will reveal behind the mitzvot, and all the understanding that we're going to have, Hashem is going to reveal the Kabbalah and the secrets of the Torah, we're going to know all the deepest secrets and mysteries and understand the deepest understandings and the connections and all the mitzvot and every detail and every mitzvah. Why? That's not what, what the mitzvah is about. The essence of the mitzvah transcends all the reasoning in the world. The essence of the mitzvah is like the skull that transcends. It's above the brains. Even the highest levels of the brains, the deepest levels of the brains, the subconscious levels. Of the, the mitzvah are the divine will, divine expression that express the infinite Hashem Himself. And Hashem allowed us, allowed it to come into the level of intellect as well, so we should be able to get some taste. That's all it is, a little taste. Even with the revelations of Mashiach, it'll just be a taste. That's all it'll ever be. It's not the essence. The essence is divine. So at the root and at the source, mitzvot are rooted in a much greater level. Because all the understanding in the world and all the learning in the world doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the mitzvah. It's only when you do the mitzvah. You do what Hashem wants. Now you're touching the mitzvah. Now you're touching the divine. Now you're touching the infant. With all your understanding, the deepest understanding, it's limited. The essence of the mitzvah remains transcendent and beyond. And I can't really grasp it. The only way to grasp the mitzvah is the deed. When you do it, you do exactly as Hashem wants. This is what Hashem wants. This is the will. Now you're touching the divine. Now you're touching the transcendent. So again, it's completely counterintuitive. Torah, understanding, that's, that's precious. That's valuable. That's scale from 1 to 10, that's 10. Mitzvahs, okay. It's important, but you know, that's on the bottom. It's the hey, it's the end, it's all the way on the bottom. You have to, but let's not confuse. There's a hierarchy. We have to know what, what's who are, what's who are, what we respect and what's. Comes the Zohar and comes the Kabbalah say no. The it comes the Sefer Yetzirah, written by Avraham Avinu, the first Jewish Kabbalistic Sefer. No, the end is rooted in the beginning. The mitzvot reach much higher than the Torah. Much more precious. Much more valuable. Much deeper. Much more profound. Reach a level is completely transcendent the Torah per se can never reach. It's only the deed that can touch that place. So again, we have a tremendous respect for a mitzvah now. For the deed, the simple deed, the concrete, specific act. Changes your whole perspective. Continue. Why is it then that in their standing within the Sphero and within the corresponding letters of the four-letter name of Hashem, Torah is loftier than, than mitzvah. 
for the mitzvot are situated in Malkut and in the corresponding final letter He of the divine name, while Torah is in Zer Anten and in the corresponding letter Vav of the divine name. This is the question which the Alpha Rebbe now answers. However, this is like an inverted seal. So he gives a very practical example. An inverted seal. A seal, whatever, whatever is in the seal, the effect will be the exact opposite. How the seal is shaped. If the seal has letters that are, that protrude, the letters are protrude out, and then you seal the wax, how are the letters going to be in the wax? They're going to be indented. If the letters are indented in the seal, and you put it into the wax, you seal it, how are the letters going to come out? The letters are going to protrude. They're going to stick out. The exact opposite, the reverse. So he says, oh, so too, whatever is above, when it comes down below, it's the exact opposite. Whatever is higher above creates, in other words, it protrudes above means it's in the, the highest level. In the seal above, when you stamp with it, it's going to create an indention. It creates the lowest level. So the lowest level comes from the protrusion, from the highest level. Versus whatever protrudes and is the highest level, it's elevated. The letters stick out, the letters protrude, the letters elevated because it came from the lowest level. It came from the inversion in the stamp. The lowest level. The exact opposite. Okay, the stamp. Continue. The stamp of an engraved seal leaves an impression which is the exact opposite of itself. Right becomes left and left becomes right. Whatever protrudes becomes indented, and whatever was indented protrudes. So too, the protruding or superior level of mitzvot in Kether descends by means of its talshavut within the spherot in an indented or lower manner. While the indented or lower level of Torah descends within the spherot in a protruding or loftier manner. Thus, the beginning is wedged in their culmination. The beginning or superior level of Kether in which the mitzvot are rooted, descends and is wedged at the culmination of the lowest level of sphero, is the sphere of Malkut, that being the power of the Blessed Ein Sof to create yesh from ayin, something from nothing. For as explained above, the power of Keter is vested within Malkut. Not the beginning of Chachma, wisdom, but the beginning of Keter, the crown, like the, the uh, skull, the crown, the transcendent level, which is the infinite, which has the ability to create something from nothing. And where is that expressed? That's expressed in the lowest level, the last level, concluding level, level of Malchus, the end. And not by way of Ila and Alu, whereby the Alu, the effect, would be encompassed by its Ila, the cause. And essentially, Nans subsistent relative to it, such a manner of creation could not possibly fulfill the divine intent in creation, but in such a way that the yesh should be 
in its self-perception, an entity distinct from its source in divinity, so that the blessed emanator can be king over all such self-styled separate beings. Through their fulfillment of the commandments that he will command them. It is only thereby that God's desire to reign over created beings is fulfilled, or, as explained above, his serenity can find expression only over creatures who consider themselves to be separate entities from him, but who nevertheless nullify their will to his through their actual performance of mitzvah. So the whole idea of a mitzvah, by definition, a mitzvah means God is commanding us. You can't, you know, if your hand moves, you want your hand to move, and your hand moves, it's not like your hand is religious or pious. The hand doesn't have to be religious and it doesn't have to be pious. It's no big deal that your hand is listening to yourself, and you want to move, and your hand is listening. It doesn't make you a king if you listen to yourself. You want to move and you move. But if I want someone else to move their hand, then they move their hand. That, that makes me a king. <laughs> I want you to move and you move. That makes me a king. If I want to move and I move, that doesn't make me a king. So all the levels of ilav alil, the levels of cause and effect in the world of emanation, and the effect is still part of the ila, still part and reconnected to the cause, so it's still divine, it never really left, it's all really connected. It's like one flame, it's really all one. So, it's all divine. It never really left Hashem. It's like the body is completely nullified to the soul. So, you want the body moves. Okay, big deal, it's no big story, it's no great shakes, the body moved. It's not the body, listen to me, I and the body are one, they're inseparable. So when the, the level of atzilas, you can't have a mitzvah. There's no mitzvah. How can you do a mitzvah? Hashem is commanding me. It's like Hashem is commanding himself. Mitzvot, by definition, begin when there's someone separate from Hashem. There's me and there's you. And we feel separate from Hashem. And we feel independent from Hashem. And Hashem wants us to do something, asks us to do something, commands us to do something, and we listen doesn't force us, doesn't beat us over the head, he doesn't impose himself upon us, he's a king. We willingly accept upon ourselves that he is our king and he should be our sovereign and his wish is my command. If Hashem desires, that's it, it's sacred. And I listen, I obey. We make Hashem king. We do a mitzvah. Only we can do a mitzvah. That's why in heaven there are no mitzvah. How can you do a mitzvah? It's not possible in heaven. When everything is clear and everything is heavenly and everything is sublime and everything is divine and faith is crystal clear, then what do you mean you're listening to Hashem? Of course you're listening to Hashem. That's not a mitzvah. A mitzvah is when you have freedom of choice. When you feel separate and you feel apart and you feel like an entity and an independent entity and completely self-sufficient. And yet... You have the wisdom to willingly choose to listen to Hashem, to accept upon ourselves Hashem's sovereignty and to enter, willingly enter into this relationship with Hashem. That's precious. Then when you listen to Hashem, that's you doing what Hashem wants. You're fulfilling His will. You're turning Him into a king. I command and you listen. 
That's why you can't be a king over your own children, even over ministers in the king's palace. A, a king is when there's a nation, and they listen to the king. They willingly choose to listen to the king. The king desires, he gives a decree, and the whole nation listens. All the subjects listen. Because the king commanded, and the king's wish is sacred to them. There's a relationship that they willingly choose to enter and to submit themselves to the king. They willingly submit themselves to the king. A child and a parent is not willing. They're one. They're inseparable. A minister in the king's palace, he submits himself to the king. A big deal. He's in the king's palace. He's a minister. He knows where the king is. He knows his greatness. That's not submission. Mitzvot means submission. Hashem commands and we submit ourselves to his command. He wishes and we listen. So that's that's what Hashem desired. That's the will. That's the mitzvah. Where can that be fulfilled? Only at the end. Only with the lowest level. With malchus. The, when Hashem creates something from nothing. It's not a continuation. Not a continuation of the upper, of the higher. It's not just a continuation of what comes before, what precedes it. There's a complete break. There is no pre- precedence. There is no cause. There is no origin or root or source. A creature that feels that it just begins with itself and just, here I am. No continuity, no connection to above. And yet I willingly choose to subject myself and to submit myself to Hashem and to fulfill His wish. That creates a relationship. Otherwise, there's no relationship. How do you have a relationship? Otherwise, there's no relationship. If Hashem is not my king, then I have no relationship. If, I, if, Hashem, if I don't obey Hashem's will, if Hashem's wish is not sacred to me, And there's no relationship. If Hashem gives suggestions, the Ten Commandments are ten suggestions. <laughs> the 630 mitzvot are suggestions of the Code of Jewish Law, are nice suggestions. Some new age, nice suggestions of how to live and spiritually uplifting. It's not a relationship. I have no relationship. Relationship begins when Hashem is my king, when Hashem is my sovereign, when I subject myself to Hashem. I submit. That's the minimum. If there's no submission, there's no relationship. There's no connection. I'm not in love with Hashem. I'm in love with myself. I'll pick and choose whatever I like, whatever strikes me good, whatever strikes me at the moment, whatever mood I'm in, whatever I feel like, whatever makes me feel good. I'm sorry, you're in love with yourself, you have a relationship with yourself, you have no relationship with Hashem. Relationship with Hashem begins when Hashem is king. And He has a right to give you a mitzvah, which means commandment. And it's that mitzvah, that commandment, and you're subjecting yourself to Hashem's commandment, willingly subjecting yourself, that creates the link, the tzevet, the mitzvah, the link, the connection. So that's what Hashem desired. 
Hashem desired there should be an ego who has to struggle, who's on his own, who has to struggle, and has the wisdom to willingly submit and subject themselves to this relationship, to this discipline. It's a discipline. A mitzvah is a discipline. Mitzvahs are not suggestions, they're not options. If it's a mitzvah, if it's an option, you have no relationship to Hashem. You have a relationship to yourself, maybe. Completely delusional. New age, it's completely delusional. You have no connection to the divine. No connection to anything godly, to anything above yourself. Same as a relationship with the chassid and the rebbe. If the rebbe's wish, if the rebbe's not your king, and if his wish, if you don't subject yourself to his wish, it's not obligatory. And it's not demanding of you and it doesn't obligate you it's just I hear you I'll see if it fits in I can accommodate you it's not a relationship it's not a connection that's then you have no relationship so the only way to really relate to Hashem is only through the mitzvah Because Hashem is so transcendent, Hashem is so much greater than us. There really is no connection between the two. What connection do we have to Hashem? No matter how spiritually enlightened we are, no matter how spiritually evolved we are, no matter how deep and how profound and, and how much we meditate, we can meditate 24-7 and play dead 24-7 and meditate and soar with the angels and dance with the angels and sublime music and art. and we, We're not even scratching the surface. We, we, we're not even getting one iota closer to Hashem. Hashem is so beyond, transcendent, infinite, undefined. So we really have no connection. Hashem desired we should have a connection. That was His will. And that's why He gave us a mitzvah. Mitzvah are the only way. These are the tools. This is the language. This is the only way we can connect with Hashem. Because when we subject ourselves to Hashem, Hashem says, I want to be a king. And we willingly accept Hashem as our king and Hashem's word is sacred and the Torah is sacred and the 613 mitzvot are sacred and the code of Jewish law is sacred and it's obligatory, it's not voluntary and it's not, it's not optional and it's not voluntary and it's not suggestions. It's sacred. Hashem is my king and I subject myself, happily subject myself to Hashem's authority. If Hashem is not my authority, if I don't subject myself Hashem's will as expressed, clearly expressed in the Torah and spelled out in the Torah, then I have no relationship with Hashem. Then Hashem's will is not fulfilled. Hashem wanted a relationship. He gave us mitzvah. He wants us to do the mitzvah, to willingly subject ourselves to His authority and to do the mitzvah, to fulfill the command, obey the command. Very specifically, exactly as He wished it. As in will, when someone wants something, unless you do exactly that as he wants, 99.9% doesn't cut it. It has to be 100%. If you don't do 100% as it's spelled down in the code of Jewish law with all the details and all the specifics, it's very nice. I don't know what you did, but it's not what I wanted. So you have no relation, no connection. So it's only through the mitzvah that we actually have a relationship, a connection. So this is what it's all about. This is the whole purpose. This is, fulfills the whole purpose. 
So the end, the mitzvah, the lowest level, Malchus, the king, that's where Hashem becomes king, that's where Hashem, the original idea and the original desire and will is fulfilled. This transcendent desire that Hashem had is fulfilled. Only through the so it's like the stamp that's, at the, that's what's above, what protrudes above, the highest level above, the deepest level above, which is Hashem himself, his infinite level, and the ability to create and something from nothing and to fulfill his desire, to have a relationship. That's his will. And the mitzvah is expressed in our world. And our frame of reference is expressed at the bottom, at the end, physically doing the mitzvah, subjecting ourselves, subjecting ourselves to Hashem's authority. It seems like a very plain thing, a very simple thing. It's not dazzling. There's no fireworks. It's not like Torah. Torah is brilliant. Torah, I can show how brilliant I am and how deep my understanding is and how intense my spirituality is. A deed, an action. <laughs> An animal can also act. I did, I did a deed, I did oh, a machine, a mechanical, I did a mechanical act. I put on the toilet. Okay, big deal. Why am I getting so excited about it? Are you kidding me? It's the act, it's the deed, it's the subjecting yourself to Hashem's authority and doing exactly what He wanted with all the specifics and all the details, exactly what He wanted. Getting it done and doing it. This is how you enter into a relationship with Him. This is what He desired. This is what He wanted. It's the end that carries out the beginning. That's rooted in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not explaining it enough, but it's, it's, it's such a powerful point. You need words to express what he's trying to say here, but... Uh... It's only thereby that Hashem's desire to reign over created beings is fulfilled. For as explained above, his sovereignty can find expression only over creatures who consider themselves to be separate entities from him, but who nevertheless nullify their will to his, to their actual performance of mitzvah. Moreover, the final act, this mitzvah, that are performed with physical objects was present in the beginning of thought. In the level of thought that transcends even the first divine thought, within the sublime level of divine intent, desires, the fulfillment of those mitzvah which involve physicality. There's two concepts here. It's really two different concepts. One concept is, they're not just interchangeable. One concept is, the beginning is wedged in the culmination, in the end, and the end is wedged in the beginning. And then there's a concept that we say in the L'chadaydi, talk about Shabbos, which is at the end, at Seif Maizah, the end, Machshavat Chila is rooted in the beginning, in the origin, the beginning of Machshav, the higher level. So, it's two things. It says, firstly, the end is wedged in the beginning, because that's what Hashem desired. That was the whole motivation. The whole motivation, where did it all begin? The top of the line, where did it all begin? The whole... Our whole frame of reference, the top of the line, the beginning, the chachma, the wisdom, the consciousness, where did it all come from? What was it all about? It was a goal, there was a purpose, there was a desire that preceded it, that led it. So the end is rooted in the beginning. 
it's wedged into what even precedes the level of Chach, which is the beginning, the creative spark, the first level of consciousness. It's rooted even deeper. And the skull that surrounds the, the brain and, and the ketan and the crown, the crown, the, the king, kingdom, leadership, which is all the way at the end, is rooted in the crown. And then he says, Soif Mais, the end of action, within the end itself, Soif Mais, Mais is the lowest, that's the Soifan, that's the end. Within Maiseh, Soif Maiseh, the very end. You put that last piece of the puzzle, the very, very end. This, doing the mitzvah with a physical object. There's doing the mitzvah, you submit yourself. Hashem wanted you to submit yourself, to willingly accept His authority, submit yourself to Hashem. That's what Hashem desired. That was the whole purpose. That's what Hashem wanted. He wanted a mitzvah. And the only way to do that is He wanted to be a king. And we should subject ourselves to Him. But then the end of the Maisa, how do we do the mitzvah? We do the mitzvah with a physical object. That's rooted all the way in the beginning. This physical object with which we're doing the mitzvah reaches all the way all the way to the beginning it's like the very end with a line you have a circle and you have a line the line reaches one reaches the bottom so the very end is more connected to the circle the line the end of the line that touches the, touches the circle is connected to the whole circle. The circle, there's no beginning, there's no middle, there's no end. The whole thing reaches a level that's completely transcendent. It touches a level that's completely transcendent, where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. So it's the physical and the material. It really comes from a completely transcendent level. To come from a level that completely transcends the whole frame of reference of our universe. The very end, the end of the end, the physical, tangible material with which we do the mitzvah, that comes from a completely transcendent level. It touches a completely transcendent level. That's what Hashem desired. When you finish, and then you look back, you step back and you look back and you finish, when you put the last piece of the puzzle in, the end result is completely transcendent. Not just another detail. I added another detail. And now I'm complete. When you complete, when you complete it, when you f do the mitzvah with a physical object, you've completed the mitzvah and you've done the mitzvah with a physical object, now the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's, 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 it's a whole different dynamic. It's a whole different energy. 
not just now we're, we're whole and we're complete. The whole is a whole different. It's touching the circle, it's touching the infinite. It's, 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 the whole is greater than some total of its parts. That is why the sages asked in the Yerushalmi, is then Rav Shimon not of the opinion that one interrupts Torah study in order to fulfill the commandment of Lulav? I.e. that even Torah, even Torah study defers to a mitzvah, the time for whose performance has arrived. The sages asked this question in response to Rav Shimon's earlier statement that he and his colleagues would not interrupt their Torah study even for the recitation of the Shema. Their assumption was that whatever would be true of the mitzvah of Luhav would also be true with regard to the recitation of the Shema. Rushalmi then goes on to differentiate between Shema and other commandments which, with regard to interrupting one's Torah study, explaining that both Shema and Torah study involve learning. Surely, however, Rav Shimon will interrupt his Torah study for the performance of practical commandments in their proper time. Insertion by the Rebbe Shlita, and even Torah study itself, presupposes the prior performance of the mitzvah, for they are its beginning, and on them depends its very existence, as in the forthcoming analogy on the relationship between the afterbirth and the child. So the Talmud asks why Rabbi Shimon would not stop to read the Shema. It's a mitzvah. Just like you have to stop, surely Rabbi Shimon would stop for the lulav, shake the lulav, for the sukkah. Actually, it even says to stop to even make the sukkah and fear the lulav. So you see that for a mitzvah, surely, the Talmud says it goes without saying, just to study Torah, not to do mitzvot, not to be observant, and not to be religious, not to follow the mitzvot, that, that makes no sense. Surely Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yichoy, as consumed as he was with studying of Torah, surely he'd stop to shake the lulav. So why wouldn't he stop to read the Shema? And the answer is because Shema and Torah are very much similar. Shema is studying Torah. You're saying a portion of the Torah. Shema is part of the Torah. So therefore, he can do the Shema by reading the Torah. The whole purpose of Shema is, actually, there's one great rabbi, the Shagas Aryeh, who argues that the whole mitzvah of Shema, it's really the mitzvah of studying Torah. But the Torah is telling you, fulfill the mitzvah, the obligation to study Torah, because the simple meaning in the verse, talks about the learning of Torah. You should learn Torah, and you should speak it in the morning and at night. Not talking about reading the Shema. So he claims that the, the studying the mitzvah of the Shema is really the fulfillment of the mitzvah of studying Torah. But the Torah tells you, the rabbis say, how does she fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah? The Torah wants you specifically to say the Shema. You can study any part of Torah and fulfill the obligation of studying Torah. But the Torah specifically wanted you to fulfill the obligation of studying Torah specifically by reading this portion of the Torah, the portion of Shema, which also discusses the mitzvah of studying Torah. Makes sense to accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven, specifically. So, since he's so consummated and consumed with learning Torah, he doesn't have to stop to read the Shema. He's already fulfilling Torah. He's learning Torah. What's he doing? 
And obviously, he's consumed with the, accepting upon himself the yoke of heaven. He doesn't stop learning Torah for a moment. He's, that's his main occupation. So there's no need for him, in this particular case, for him to stop to read the Shema. But of course, all other mitzvot, which are indeed, are an action, surely goes without saying, there's no question of Shem Bechoy would stop learning, close the book, and go shake the lul of an ezzik, and, and, and go make the, even make the sukkah, let alone sit in the sukkah and do the mitzvah. There's no question. So we see clearly that Torah take, mitzvot takes precedence even over Torah. So which is greater? Mitzvot are greater. Because you have to stop learning. Mitzvot supersede Torah. You have to stop learning in order to do the mitzvah. The whole purpose of the learning is so you should do the mitzvah. The whole purpose of the Torah is to explain the reasons behind the mitzvot. But the main thing is the mitzvah. So earlier we learned that Torah is the vav, Torah precedes the mitzvot. The mitzvot that the hey, Torah precedes and Torah comes first. Talmud Torah, connected kulum studying of Torah is the equivalent of all the mitzvot. Torah is greater than action. And yet on the other hand, here we see clearly that mitzvot are greater. Mitzvot take precedence. You have to stop learning in order to do the mitzvot. The main goal is the mitzvah, the actual mitzvah. The learning, it seems, is a means to an end. The end is the mitzvah. Not that the mitzvot are means to the end. On the contrary, the end is learning. No, the end is the mitzvah. So even Rabbi Shimon was busy and learned Torah constantly, day and night, and didn't even work because he was busy learning Torah 24-7. And yet he stopped to do the mitzvah because the end is the mitzvah. Continue, moreover. Moreover, as the Yerushalmi proceeds to quote Rav Yachan, whoever learns with the intention not to practice, it would better for him had his afterbirth turned over and he would not have been born. Why does the Yerushalmi relate to the afterbirth instead of simply stating that it would better for him had he not been born. The afterbirth was formed first by the seminal drop, and until the 40th day, when the embryo begins to take on form, it alone was the essential substance of the embryo. In like manner, the commandments are the essence and root of the Torah, even though a commandment is corporeal and the Torah is wisdom, hence ethereal. This does not raise a problem as to the consequent standing of the Torah relative to the mitzvah for the reason explained above using the analogy of the inverted seal. He's asking, he should have said, whoever, doesn't, whoever studies and doesn't practice what he learned. So, why does he say it would have been better if his shilya, that's the bag that carries the child, when the child is first formed, first the placenta. And then the placenta is expelled and thrown out. And all you have is the child. So you should have said, whoever learns and doesn't do, it's better you would never come to this world. It would, never, it would be better if you were never conceived. Why does he say it's better, then it's better that you would have been conceived and your placenta should have, should have turned on your face, and you, in other words, you would have died in your mother's womb, and that's it, and you would never have been bored. Maybe it would have been better you would never been conceived in the first place. 
never existed. Or just say, you would never be born. You never exist. He never came into the world in the first place. You never were conceived. He says, no, you were conceived, but you should have, you should have died in your mother's womb. You should have, the, the placenta should have turned over and it's on your face. And you should have died. Because he's saying that the placenta, that's, that's, that's the first formation of the child. That is the child. In the beginning, the sperm, that's what's, that's what's formed. And then from that comes the child. So when you're, you're studying Torah, where does the Torah come from? The Torah is an explanation of the mitzvah. So if you're not doing the mitzvah, it's like you're missing the whole thing, the whole essence. The placenta, that is the essence of the child. That's the beginning, that's where the child originates. That's... So when you're studying Torah, it's not like I'm missing a mitzvah. You're missing Torah. What is the Torah all about? The Torah is like the child. But where does the child come from? What is the essence, the root of the child? The root of the child is placenta that's where it's formed from so this he's saying the essence of Torah is the mitzvah so it's not only if you're only learning you're not doing a mitzvah you should never have been born because you're not doing the mitzvah he's trying to explain why why is that I have the Torah I have the main thing he says you don't have the main thing not only you don't have the mitzvah really you don't even have Torah you were never born, you were never born, but when you were conceived and the placenta would turn over in its face, because it's the placenta that really is the essence, from that the child is formed. So if you don't do the mitzvah, it's not that you don't only have the mitzvah, you don't have Torah. You don't have the essence of the Torah. What is the essence of the Torah? The Torah is a commentary, an explanation of the mitzvah. It's the reasons behind Hashem's will. If you don't have the will, if you don't have the mitzvah, there's no Torah. Without mitzvahs, without mitzvahs, there is no Torah. Torah is an explanation on the mitzvah. If you take away the mitzvah, you have nothing. There's no Torah. So if you don't do good deeds, it's not you're missing good deeds. You're missing Torah. You're missing the placenta, which is the essence of the child. So you have nothing. You missed the whole point of the Torah. It's not like there's Torah and there's mitzvahs and it's two separate things. There's Torah and there's mitzvahs. So I have one, I don't have the other. I have half. So you can say, if you would say you were not born, it means there's a baby, but the baby died, would say the baby died. You weren't born. You were in the mother's womb. And your mother gave birth to a dead baby. But there's a baby and then there's life, there's birth. So you have Torah, but you're missing good deeds. So you should never be born. You should have dropped dead right, right when you came out of the mother's womb. He's saying more so. The first 40 days when all you had was the placenta, the placenta should have turned over. 
If the placenta would have turned over, you would never be formed. You would never have a baby. So if you don't do the mitzvah, it's not that you're missing mitzvahs, but you have Torah. If the placenta is turned over, there is no baby, there is no mitzvahs. There, there is no Torah. Because the baby is formed from the placenta. If something would have happened to the placenta the first 40 days, you would never have a baby. So if you take away the mitzvahs, you have no Torah. Because what is Torah? Torah is an explanation, and a commentary, an explanation on the mitzvah. But if you take away the mitzvah, you take away the will, you take away the, the, the mitzvah, there's no Torah. So mitzvah is the essence of the Torah. And that's why the Talmud says, why is Talmud great? There's an argument. Which is greater? Learning, mit, Torah, or mitzvah? So the conclusion is, Nimnu v'gamra, at the end they all decided and they agreed that Torah is great, but why? Because it leads to action. What's the greatness of Torah? What is the essence of Torah? It leads to action. So if you remove the action, you remove the whole essence of the Torah. There is no Torah. So you have nothing. It's not like you're only missing mitzvahs. You're missing Torah. You missed the whole point. You don't get what Torah is all about. The whole, it's giving a very deep understanding of what, what, what we're saying here, what the Chazal is telling us here. Not just as better you would never be born, you would have, you would have been stillborn. He could have said that, you should have been stillborn, you should never be born, you should never come out alive, you should be stillborn. He's saying something much deeper than that. If something would have happened to the placenta the first 40 days, you would never be formed. There's nothing. Not only you're missing mitzvahs, you have nothing. You don't have Torah. You missed the whole point of a Torah. So it's not like, that's the mistake. People think that, that really Torah is the main thing. But mitzvot is in order to enhance the Torah. Because when you have the mitzvah, it's like the, uh, the acid test. How do I know that I truly understand the Torah? When it leads to action. So the mitzvah is just there to make sure that the Torah is honest. So it, 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 so it enhances the Torah. It's like when you're learning something that's not relevant, or you're learning about something that's relevant. Could you compare the two? The economics professor talks about making money who never earned a dime in his life, except getting his paycheck. Versus someone who put his life savings on the line and made and lost millions and, and learned. And he talks about money. He's not talking about theory. He's talking about action, live action. When something is actionable, it's a whole different learning. It's a whole different... The code of, that's why the code of Jewish law is so special. Because when something, someone comes to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, could I do this? Can't I do this? The rabbi can't give... He has to distill all that wisdom and give a decisive answer. Yes, no. Kosher, not kosher. You can't fudge and you can't tell me, well, there's five opinions this way and there's 23 opinions the other way and it depends how you look at it. Take all that you learned and all that you studied and all the pages and pages of discussion and give me an answer. Yes, no. Do I go this way? I go that way. So then you have to really go very deep. You really have to be crystal clear. You have to understand the subject matter so well. When it's actionable, when it's decisive, you have to be decisive 
it, it clears your mind. You have to be so clear. You, can't, you have to go back and revisit and understand it. You thought you understood. Now you realize you understand nothing. You have to go back and really understand it so well that I can give a clear psak din in the code of Jewish law. Yes, no, right, wrong. So the action is like the acid test or it helps me and enhances the learning. So the main thing is the learning and the action is, 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 is helps me and enhances the learning because when it's actionable, my learning is so much deeper, so much richer, so much clearer because I have to be very, very crystal clear because it, it, there's, there's going to be a practical implication of all this learning. When there's no practical implication of all the learning, it's just theoretical, the learning could, could be a little dishonest also. I, you know, you don't have to understand it so clear as long as it's theoretical, but when there's actionable, practical implications and people are waiting, yes, no, do I do this way, that way? Your understanding has to be so deep and thorough and penetrating and crystal clear. So it's, it's, a, it's a tool. The action is a tool for the Torah. But here the Alter Rebbe says, no, the Chazal are telling us that's not the point. When it says that Talmud is great because it leads to action, the main thing is the action. When is Talmud great? When it leads to action. A Talmud that's divorced from action, a type of learning that's divorced from real life, from actual life, from real life. It's just abstract ideas, learning. Irrelevant ideas, nice ideas, abstract ideas have no relationship to the person. No relationship to real life. Then it's not a learning. The whole Hasidus was based on this. When you learn the deepest concepts in Hasidus, you're learning about the infinite light and the levels before Tzimtzum, before the, inf- before the original contraction. You're talking about the loftiest, deepest, most subtle concept. At the end of the day, there's always the question you turn around and say, to the bottom line, what does it have to do with me? <laughs> How will this change my life? How will this enhance my life? How will this change my life? What does it mean personally? How does it translate into real life? Because a learning that's divorced from real life, from action. It's not a learning. And that's what the Chazal say, the Altar is saying is so deep, that the Chazal is, Chazal is telling us so deep. What they're saying is, not, it's better you would never be born. You were still born, so you would never come out into this world. You should have died on the table, on the birthing table. And that's it. It's not worth it. No. The first 40 days, the placenta should have turned over. Because that's where the child is formed from. Had the placenta been turned over, you would never have been formed, even. Without action, without mitzvah, without action, without relating the Torah to action, you don't have a Torah. That's not a Torah. You have nothing. Because the end is rooted all the way in the beginning. This is what it's all about. This is the the conclusion, the end goal. This is this is where it hits home. This is when the Torah comes alive. When does the Torah come alive? 
When do you touch the whole that's greater than the sum total of its parts? When does the Torah truly come alive? When it's a living Torah. When it's a Torah that's actionable. When it's a Torah that relates to you and relates to real life and relates to actions and relates to your behavior and relates... That's why the Talmud says, I'm sure by Yechoyish is not stopped for Lulav and Esrik. Are you kidding me? Even though his whole life is consumed with learning Torah, but without mitzvot, there's no Torah. What kind of Torah is that? The whole Torah, the whole point of the Torah is even someone who's deeply consumed and involved and all engaged in learning Torah, but the whole Torah has to lead to action. Which is how the Rebbe explains why Hashem was so upset. And until today, we suffer from Tisha B'Av. Why that day was such a black day in Jewish history, a, such a tragic day, a day that led to some five tragedies. The whole generation died out in the desert and both temples were destroyed and Apustim was, and, and, um, and Beta was destroyed. Mashiach, who was potentially Mashiach, Bar Kokhba, was ruined and, and killed. And, and um, Jerusalem was plowed over. What's the big tragedy? What happened? The Jews didn't want to go into the land of Israel. And how were they punished? They stayed in the desert for 40 years. They remained in the Garden of Eden for 40 years. Adam was in the Garden of Eden for 36 hours. They ended up being in the Garden of Eden less than 36 hours. They were in the Garden of Eden for 40 years. I, mean, I can think of worse punishments. So big deal. So they didn't go into the land of Israel. The children went to the land of Israel. Why is that such a stain, such a black mark, such a tragedy that we suffer from till today? And the answer is because Hashem wanted the peers of Moshe Rabbeinu, the generation that received the Torah, those great Torah scholars, the greatest Torah scholars, the peers of Moshe, who Hashem spoke face to face. We were all there spiritually, but they were there physically. Hashem wanted them to enter into the land and to plow the land and to go into the world of action. He wanted these deep Torah scholars who spent 40 years learning and the whole life was immersed in Torah because that's what they loved, that's what they were all about. Hashem wanted them to be active, them to go into the promised land. They should go into the world of action. He wants, there should be a seamless connection between Torah and action. And that did not happen. Their children went into the land, but they were not the generation that received the Torah. They were not the peers of Moshe Rabbeinu. They were not the generation that lived for 40 years in Gan Eden. They were not that high caliber. They were not that level that Hashem wanted. Hashem wanted to show that Torah and action are inseparable. It's not two separate worlds. And that's why Tisha B'Av remains such a black stain. Let's just read two paragraphs and we'll finish. In like manner, the commandments are the essence and root of the Torah, even though a commandment is corporeal and the Torah is wisdom, hence ethereal. In searching by the Revelation, this does not raise a problem with the consequence standing on the Torah relative to the mitzvah for the reason explained above using the analogy of the inverted seal. Except that this, the lofty standing of the mitzvah, is on an external, makif level, while the other, the Torah, exists on an internal level and thus infuses the mitzvot with vitality and soul, as will be explained okay. below. Thus, should a person study Torah and not intend to perform the mitzvot, he is lacking the very root and foundation of the Torah, and it would thus have been better for him had his afterbirth turned over. And that's why in other places it says that Torah is Talmud Torah connected kulam, Torah is the equivalent of all the mitzvot, because Torah gives us the taste, the internal. Mitzvot are transcendent, mitzvot are the will, mitzvot are beyond us. 
Torah, however, is enables us to internalize it, to relate, to connect, to develop a, a feeling, an understanding, a pleasure, a sensitivity, to understand, to make it one with us. And that's also what Hashem desired. Hashem desired that we should not just submit ourselves to Hashem and subject ourselves to Hashem. Hashem also wanted us to relate and connect and internalize and develop a personal relationship. That you need Torah. You have to engage your mind. That has to engage your being and your individuality. So that's why we need both. And each one has an advantage over the other. But primarily, the afterbirth, the placenta, we're, we're, what's the essence of the child is really the mitzvah. The essence of the Torah is the mitzvah. The whole Torah has to be seamless. And Torah has to lead to deeds. If Torah doesn't lead to deeds, you have no Torah. It's as if the placenta would have been turned over the first 40 days. You never would have had any embryo. You never would have had anything. There's no Torah. There's nothing. It's the mitzvot that nail it. It's the mitzvot that capture the essence. It's the mitzvot that at the beginning and the end and the, even before the beginning and, and enhances the Torah. It's a different Torah then. That's the whole purpose. That's what it's really all about. It's really all about the mitzvot, the deed. It's very revolutionary. This is, I mean, it's very powerful stuff. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.